Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the fourteenth of March, you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm Pierre Morrow, and、uh, I hope everyone's、uh, okay out there.、Um, you say that laughingly. I don't believe that you have genuine concern for collective and social health. I have a very, very genuine、uh, concern for collective and social health, but.、Uh, I do think there's,、um, you know, while it's it's a it's a serious outbreak, it's COVID nineteen. I think,、uh, you know, there's whole politics within it. And if you look at,、um, you know, how many other diseases around the world which are more much more serious and actually don't get anywhere near near this、um, interest, I think. Well, that's another story. But I do actually have COVID nineteen stories in the.、Uh, Um, in the news roundup, there's actually two of them. Oh, very good, and I know that I've got one of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't have COVID. I, I have I what's know, called the common cold. I don't、um, know, Lisa. She she looks a bit sniffly and, and coughly there, and I'm. I don't know. I'm only about one meter away from her, so that's、um, right. Th- we'll be tested just after the show.、Uh, no, but、uh, my trip overseas has been cancelled, Pierre. Oh, has it? It has indeed. Oh, I'm actually still、um, under it, consideration. Oh, right. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, I do have an interest in、uh, social and collective health because I am personally impacted by.、Um, But you were going to go to you were going to go to that、um, country where、um, they are such believers of collective、uh, socialized public health. Yes, that's right. I was heading to the United States of America, and that is over now. <laughs> anyway,、um, so you're listening to you're not listening to a medical update or a health <laughs> show. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. That's、and、right. If, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms, and we continue to post news and current affairs of labour movements across the Asia Pacific region. That's right. That's right. And、um, and on, on today's program, we've actually got a、um, interview that we did a couple of weeks ago with the chairman of the CAMU, the、um, May First Movement in、um, in the Philippines, the the most、uh, militant trade union centre in the Philippines, El Malabog. So that'll be in the、um, second half of the show. But we'll go for, to the first、uh, item where I've got it, and it's actually a look back at International Women's Day, where last Sunday, March eighth. International Women's Day was commemorated with marches and actions all around the world.、Um, see,、um, the biggest、uh, march, estimated to be at least one million strong, was in Santiago, Chile, which came on the back of the massive popular uprisings that started in October. Other significant actions took place in Islamabad, Pakistan, where the IWD march was attacked by fundamentalist religious groups. While in Baghdad, in Iraq, the IWD march was very well attended and seen as part of the overall demands of the ongoing mass protests 
against the Iraqi government. And uh, hopefully now in our mini news item, we'll get lots of links to those protests. And in Hong Kong on the 28th of February, the General Secretary of the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions, Lee Shuk Yan, was arrested at his residence by police. He was later released on bail pending a court appearance on the 5th of May to respond to charges of unlawful assembly. Lee was arrested. Lee's arrest, rather, was part of a coordinated operation carried out that day that also saw a pro-democracy politician, Yong Sum, and media publisher Jimmy Lai being arrested at the same time. All three men were charged with the same offence of unlawful assembly for their alleged participation in a protest march on the 31st of August last year. Of course, in Hong Kong, we know that those protests relate to the um, <clears throat> the the mass um, uh, uprisings or demonstrations in relation to the um, uh, extradition laws uh, of um, China. The Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Union vehemently condemns these arrests, which they regard as a plan to further suppress Hong Kong citizens' and workers' rights to freedom of association, and they demand the dropping of all charges against Lee and the others. The Global Union Federation, the IUF, which is the International Food Workers Union, um, has initiated a global campaign in support of the General Secretary Lee and the dropping of all charges. <coughs> mm, cough, starting to clear my throat here. Um, uh, we go now to um, West Asia where the ongoing economic and political instability in both Iraq and Iran has impoverished large sections of the working class. More and more workers are forced to undertake more dangerous and often illegal work to survive. In the mountain areas of the north bordering Iran and Iraq, the Kolbas as uh, cross-border couriers are known, so they take goods from uh, Iran to Iraq and Iraq to Iran, not only have to survive the harsh terrain and weather, but also gunfire from border guards. Just in the month of January of this year, human rights organisations estimate that up to 80 of these Kolbas have either died from accidents or were killed by security forces while crossing the mountains. And our first COVID-19 story for the morning. With the continued spread of the new coronavirus, or COVID-19, around the world, governments are applying more and more restrictive measures to try to stem new infections. The impact of many of these measures is felt much more heavily by workers as we're often in precarious social or economic conditions in the first place. Off the port of Oakland in the west of the United States, the passengers from the Grand Princess ship were evacuated after a couple of days, but the thousands of workers on it, a majority of whom were from the Philippines, have been left on board, facing an uncertain future. All around the world, hundreds of millions of workers were empl- are employed in precarious conditions where sick leave, holiday leave and access to welfare payments are not guaranteed. So any quarantining directives will push many workers even further into poverty and destitution. Which is certainly um, something that's a big issue here in Australia <clears throat> as well. And the second story on COVID-19 actually just um, um, further looks at that, about the uh, the fact that our economy is so globalised and the the panic around the spread of COVID-19 is uh, having a huge effect on the supply chains of global companies and on the logistics sector. 
In China, uh, as we brought you before, I think millions of workers have been laid off as manufacturing had its biggest ever contraction um, in its history. The aviation industry is now facing a bloodbath with uh, travel around the world being impacted by increasingly harsh international travel bans. Migrant workers are facing the possibility of being stranded in a foreign country without jobs, while in countries such as Cambodia and Myanmar are among the most affected in Southeast Asia by supply chain interruptions. Again, workers will be left carrying the cost of many of these disruptions. And uh, this week, Qantas Airways admitted that it's repaying hundreds of staff, close to $10 million in unpaid wages and entitlements, and that's even without coronavirus and COVID-19. In a current court case, the airline has admitted that it is still in the process of investigating the full extent of the underpayments and that it will take to the end of April for a full audit to be complete. Qantas is only the latest company to be found underpaying workers in over the last five years in Australia. And of course, uh, no doubt we will discover more and more companies um, that are underpaying workers. And the uh, charitable Morrison government has granted them an amnesty to do this work. So there were, there is no punishment for them while they discover how many tens of millions of dollars they've uh, stolen from us. That's right. And uh, it's just on uh, 10 past um, 9 o'clock. We'll go to a uh, committee announcements um, and we'll have a bit of a cough as well. And we'll be back with the interview with Alma Labog. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. It's um, just uh, 11 past 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station, and you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were very fortunate to be able to uh, meet and talk to Alma Labog, who is the chairman of the um, KMU in the Philippines, the biggest and most militant trade union centre in the Philippines. Can you just give us a brief overview of who the KMU is and how big you are in the Philippines? My, my name is Elmer Labog. I am the chairperson of the KMU, or the Kilisong Mayuno, the May 1st movement in the Philippines. Uh, the KMU is a national labor center with nine uh, federations with, of different trades and two mass organizations. The two mass organizations are the jeepney drivers and the urban poor people were. Uh, many of the uh, contractual workers uh, reside. These are the uh, urban poor communities where the rentals of houses are much cheaper. We have uh, more than 115,000 uh, just-paying members spread out uh, all over the country. But this excludes the non-paying uh, mass organizations of the game who number almost twice as the number of just-paying Members, Our significant demands are the struggle for a national minimum wage. We have very low 
wages compared, of course, to our co-workers in Australia who are being paid in a matter of uh, hours, but ours is a daily uh, wage uh, in, in the Philippines. The highest wage level we have is equivalent of 15 uh, Australian dollars a day. So if you go farther away from Metro Manila, the wages are much, much lower. The other uh, issue that we're campaigning for is uh, the campaign for the regularization of contractual workers. Out of 42 million workforce that we have in the Philippines, almost 28 million are contractual workers. This covers uh, workers in uh, private enterprises as well as those who are in government. Ironically, the government is the biggest uh, employer of uh, contractual workers as they have, uh, they have institutionalized the presence of those so-called on-the-job uh, uh, workers and other forms of contractual employment. And so these are the two major uh, struggles that we have now, and yet we are being hunted uh, by government for our efforts to uh, affect changes in the labor movement through the increase of wages as well as the regularization of the uh, big numbers of contractual workers. That's the reason, too, why we have uh, a series of strikes in the private sectors, sector uh, in the past uh, several years uh, to affect the uh, regularization of uh, workers in companies where the uh, Department of Labor and Employment have uh, noted the uh, uh, existence of of the so-called labor-only contracting practices, which is illegal in the the Philippine laws. And so with the assertion of uh, the regularization of workers, there is now a a fascist attack uh, being uh, hurled against uh, trade unionists in the Philippines. Since the inception of Duterte, there were already 43 uh, trade unions killed. Uh, adding up to this uh, number is the three, three more killed only last year, 2019. So this, this makes the total of workers killed in the Philippines to 46. This is uh, uh, the uh, number that has contributed to the uh, assessed 27 or more than 27,000 uh, people killed uh, because of that war on drugs of the Duterte administration. So we are in a very tight uh, situation now wherein uh, we do not uh, function uh, normally as trade unionists, meaning we cannot stay uh, longer in longer times in our offices. It's not a common uh, practice uh, or culture now to be going up, going home at the end of the work day. So uh, things are really uh, becoming serious in the Philippines now. So one of the important aspects that we are here for is to solicit the uh, support of our Australian sisters and brothers uh, in the trade union movement in Australia to take a strong position against this uh, brutal and fascist attacks on the trade union movement in the Philippines and to call on the uh, Australian uh, government to, to stop aiding the uh, police uh, and the military in the Philippines through these military exercises and military aid as these very instruments are the same uh, facilities that they used to attack the trade union movement as well as other progressive organizations in the Philippines. I think it's uh, 
imperative for the Australian trade union movement to call on their government to audit the uh, the implementation of uh, or the aid uh, funds that are uh, being uh, given by the Australian government to the uh, Philippine government. And so uh, we also want li would like to call on the Australian trade union movement to support the coming of the International Labor Organization high-level contact mission uh, to the Philippines to investigate uh, the skillings and uh, to hold accountable the culprits of these uh, heinous crimes. One more question, and you've, you've really given an, an incredibly good overview of the situation for the Philippine workers in the Philippines and the overall political situation. But also in terms of organising, you've mentioned about the, the, about the rate of the killings, but uh, often uh, unionists actually get dispersed by police and the, the laws are actually used against you as, as well. Yes, uh, we call this the we weaponization of the existing laws wherein uh, they, they uh, use trump-up charges to uh, jail uh, our organizers as well as leaders. One case in point is the case of Maus Maga, who's uh, our organizer in the sector of the jeepney uh, industry where uh, he was uh, apprehended because he led the strikes to... Uh, defend the uh, laws of jobs and livelihood as the government wanted to phase out the jeepney sector and, uh, and bring in uh, big multinational corporations in the car industry to take their place. So he was apprehended and now he's languishing in jail and he's been convicted for 15 years in, in detention. So this is one example where uh, fascism exists and uh, trump-up charges are being used against trade unionists. Another case in point is the formation of the Joint in, uh, Industrial Peace Cooperation Office in Clark uh, in, and in the whole area of export processing zones in central Luzon, wherein this has been a collaboration between the Export Processing Zone Authority and the Philippine National Police. But then we, we are excluded as stakeholders, and it is us whom, who would, who were, who whom they would uh, impose this. Policy. So we are up in arms against this uh, uh, anti-worker and fascist uh, policy of the Duterte government. We uh, have uh, been able to unite uh, the various huge uh, trade union groups in the Philippines against all these attacks on the labor movement in the Philippines. Well, thank you for that, Elmer, and we certainly wish you and all your comrades all the best for the rest of the year. We wish the same things too to, to our Australian sisters and brothers in the trade union movement. We believe that the international solidarity is a two-way traffic, and so all the uh, struggles that we have in the Philippines and that in Australia should be jointly supported. So thank you very much for bringing us into Australia, and we'd like to thank the uh, AAWL for having us in this meeting and to exchange the uh, situations in the Philippines as well as in the Australian trade union movement. Good day, Australia. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone 
contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. And that was an interview we did with uh, Elma Laborg, basically uh, um, really explaining the tough times that uh, Filipino workers are facing uh, in the in the in the Philippines, and um, and that was that's even before COVID nineteen and all the disruption that that takes. And and Elma is the chairman of or the chairperson of the KMU in the Philippines. It's just on um, twenty one past uh, nine o'clock. Uh, Giselle, we've got a little bit of time and. Uh, you're quite desperate to ask me a question about COVID-19. Well, that's right. You're going to put me on the spot here. I might. As uh, some listeners might know, Pierre works in the health industry and uh, has quite a, a broad range of political and practical knowledge and experience in um, public health and so on. So I, I have some COVID-related questions for you. I, mean, I think you're well, setting me up for a fall here. Oh, well, you know, someone's got to. You've uh, reached such heights as it is. Um, no, I, I, a lot of um, our comrades are busily writing online that um, that what is happening with this COVID pandemic is actually, it exposes the failures of capitalism. And some are going as far as saying this is caused by capitalism. So I want to interrogate that a little bit. Um, and as a bit of a caveat, as a bit of a... Um, uh, kind of disclaimer, we are completely aware that there are other um, illnesses, there are other issues that are more infectious and are having um, more serious consequences than COVID-19 right across the world, but we're not talking about them because the, perhaps they affect African communities more than anywhere else, etc. So with that caveat in mind, we are talking about COVID-19 because of um the impact it's having on our lives because the media has whatever, whatever. The point is we are focusing on COVID-19. We're not trying to ignore everything else. But I do want to ask you, do you share the view of our comrades that the reason this has blown up the way that it has and the reason it's being mismanaged is because of capitalism? That's a very interesting um, question. I think what uh, it has brought up is the fact that health... Uh, we are human beings. We live in a society. Health is a social, it's a public issue. It is not a private issue. And we are seeing in countries where um, uh, the health system is either terrible or it's privatized, depending on you know which country it is and whatever, the response is, is worse. And the ability to even know what to do is, is lessened. And that then leads to different um, uh, responses in the media because people don't know um, what to do. Um, so certainly capitalism makes such an outbreak of this illness worse for the reasons that capitalism is about individuals and public health is about the public. We are seeing very, very vast differences in mortality rates of this virus in the various places it's broken out. China, South Korea, Iran, Italy are the ones that I'm thinking of. Some people have argued that the reason the mortality rate in Italy is so high is because the population is so old in that country and that's not the case in other places where there's been an outbreak. What's your view on that? Well, um, then you could have a, um, a, a, a comparison to Japan 
which has, I think, um, I saw there's some statistic, and these are probably, you know, a bit hard to guess, but Italy is about the second, with the second oldest population. Japan is number one. The death rates are very, very different between those two countries. So you're saying Japan has a lower death rate than Italy? Much lower death rate, Although yes. Although it has a higher, uh, uh, older population. Uh, that, that's right. Um, part of it is um, how, how socially and culturally those societies are, are structured, but also the fact of the health system. And there has been lots of uh, talk and analysis of that the health system is actually um, not functioning as well in, um, in Italy. Plus, also, it's a question of how many people you are testing. So um, there's a big debate going on there about uh, public health people saying what is the death rate because there is anything from 0.5 to 7% out there. Where are we seeing 0.5%? Uh, places like South Korea. And what's happening in South Korea? Uh, well, I was, I was going to get that. So the question is, is how many people you are testing? Because what this virus is, and, and, and this is uh, known now, is that there's a lot of asymptomatic people with no symptom or very few symptoms. The younger you are, they're less likely you're even going to know you've got the, the illness. So therefore, if you don't actually test everyone, then you're only going to get the sick people at hospital. And so your death rate is going to look much, much greater apart from anything else. So one of the things that um, South Korea is, is, is done, and I think I've seen some latest, that they've actually got the highest um, testing rate out there. But even that, is the testing rate, are you testing the same all the worried well? Um, you know, they might come back every day to get retested. So even that, there would be a question mark to say, well, uh, are you testing? So the death rate, we'll probably know it next year once it's all over and people can go back uh, to look at it. I was um, looking at something uh, recently uh, just to give some uh, context. The latest pandemic that was declared was uh, 2003 with the H1N1 virus, the flu virus. Uh, it was believed at that time that twenty to 30,000 people died from it. It didn't go around the world, but, um, but then um, uh, epidemiologists redid all the tests years after, looked at death rates, whatever, and actually came up with a total mortality of closer between two to 400,000 around the world. So these numbers can really, really change. So I want to go back to this question of testing because in uh, places like Australia and the United States, we've narrowed the criteria for those eligible for, t for testing to quite <clears throat> a small amount. I had a friend who'd returned from the United States. She told me every single flight coming into Australia from the United States has had at least one confirmed COVID-19 um, positive person on it. And what they are doing... They're notifying the entire aircraft of this information, but only people sitting four rows in front and four rows behind are eligible for testing. Why such restrictions on testing? I believe for two reasons. One, that the test, well, there's a number of tests out there. Sometimes it's a bit hard to know because, it, it, <clears throat> because of the money factor and also because of the availability of testing sites. Last week, someone was telling me how uh, one of the main testing sites here in Melbourne was just um, full to over capacity, and it was actually all these worried well going there. So, in any pub, and this is the the really difficult thing in any public health, you want people to be concerned, 
but not to panic because if you panic, you'll just make everything worse. So just in the closing minutes of the show, Pierre, what what would you raise as working class demands right now in relation to the pandemic? That the workers should not bear the costs of this pandemic. Basically, any worker that needs to go home should get paid and health system should be um, uh, publicly and, and freely available. Does that include the worried well? Um, you'll never get rid of the worried well who have stocked up with all the toilet paper in their house. Um, thank you. Thanks, Pierre, for uh, letting me put you on the spot with um, those questions. But interesting to see the different mortality rates across different countries literally correlated to the efficiency and effectiveness of their health systems. All right, that's uh, the end of Asia-Pacific Currents uh, for another week. We'll be back next uh, week. Uh, uh, Asia-Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker. Links, stay tuned to Palestine Remember, coming up after this uh, short announcement. But uh, that's all from me, Pierre. And me, Giselle. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.